You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. But his greatest reason, I think, he says, I'm eager, I'm eager to preach the gospel in Rome because it's the power of God unto salvation. And he knows that when he comes, there are people that haven't been reached that God will give opportunity for him to reach. He's an apostle. He's sent out for that very purpose to go share the gospel. He's an evangelist. People are going to be saved. If he's able to come to Rome, The Apostle Paul begins his letter to the church in Rome with a desire. He wants to visit. In fact, Pastor Danny will share how passionate Paul was about that idea. While we don't know the story of how the Roman church began, we do know that it was located in a tough area, a place where depravity reigned supreme. It wasn't easy to live as a follower of Christ when this worldly pressure was all around them. Paul wanted to encourage these brothers and sisters of faith and to bring more people to Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Only Hope for a Depraved World. We're in the book of Romans. Grab your Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans is considered by many to be the Apostle Paul's greatest work. God used human agents to pen these letters, these books that now are comprised in what we call the Bible. And Romans, of course, is one of them. Romans explores the real practical significance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And then, through faith in Jesus, we're going to get to, at the end of the book, practical ways it works itself out in life by faith in Jesus, the, the way you will live your life because of your faith in Jesus. It's a very doctrinal book. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's the most systematic presentation of doctrine in all the Bible. So, With that said, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. It means sent out one and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. He's alive. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship. And here the apostleship, he's especially talking about himself and those called to be apostles. Apostleship, sent out once. 
to call people from among all the Gentiles. New King James Version says, among all the nations. Among all the Gentiles, all the nations, to the obedience that comes from faith. Faith in Christ will naturally work itself out in obedience to Christ and to the Scriptures. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So up to this point, it's a global message for God so loved the world. But now in verse 7, notice what he says. To all in Rome. To all in Rome. Very important. Who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can spend a lot more time just in those opening verses. Um, I'm not choosing to do so, but those first opening verses is the first point of chapter one. It's Paul's greeting. It's not going to be a fancy alliterated outline, but it is an outline of the chapter. This is Paul's greeting. And in his greeting, he talks about the promise of the gospel uh, through the prophets, the coming of the Messiah through the seed of David. He's a human descendant of King David. He talks about the global nature of Christ's work, all nations for God so loved the world. And then there's a specific personal word to those in Rome, to all in Rome, to the Christians in Rome. That's the greeting. There are four points. We're already going on our second one, but the second one I'm going to go ahead and give you ahead of time. This is Paul's desire to visit Rome. Look at what he says. Verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. What a fascinating thing that the testimony of the Roman church had spread to the other churches around the world. Everybody knew about the church in Rome. Verse 9, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. He's praying for the church in Rome. He never met these guys. Uh, these saints in Rome, he never met them personally, but he's praying for them. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So you have Paul's greeting, and then in the next couple of verses, he tells about his desire to visit Rome. I want to come see you. I want to visit the church. We don't know how the church started in Rome. There's no record of who started the church. But somebody did. How did Christians end up in Rome? All roads lead to Rome. Now, just practically speaking, Rome in this day was the place to be. It was the place to go. All the best jobs were in Rome. Going to Rome in that day would be like going to Hollywood if you wanted to be an actress or an actor. All the best actors and actresses were in Rome. If you were going in the NFL, well, it wasn't the NFL then. It was the gladiator games or the chariot races. And you want to be an athlete, man, Rome is the place you're going to go. So if you wanted, if you wanted the best plays, uh, it would be the movies of our day. If you wanted the best of society and the best of culture, uh, at least in people's minds at the time, Rome was the place to go. So for lots of different reasons, people ended up migrating to Rome. And some Christians ended up in Rome, and we don't know who started it, but somebody started a church. 
And this church in Rome became known around the world. Other churches are like, there's a church in Rome? Really? Yeah, they're doing great. I mean, they had a great testimony. And Paul wanted to visit. He wanted to visit the church in Rome. He prayed often, and he prayed for God to open a door. Now, this next section, I'm going to give you ahead of time, and then we'll read it. Third point, third point. But again, don't get your hopes up that you're going to get out of church early. There are four points. We're already on the third one. Why Paul wants to visit Rome. Look at verse 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. You could loosely say, I want to come in the will of God because I want God's anointing to continue on me because I want to see my ministry continue to have fruit. I'm obligated, verse 14, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. And then he gives us this famous, famous verse, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, not that they're more important or more loved, that it came to the Jews first. We have a Jewish Messiah. And then for the Gentile. And by the way, if you haven't caught on, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Everybody in the world, Jew, Gentile, just the world. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, from when you first receive Christ until you see him face to face. It's by faith. Just as it is written. A righteousness is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. And he quotes from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous will live by faith. And so did you catch all the things there? Why Paul wants to visit Rome? He wants to visit Rome because in his ministry, there are times where he would pray for people or through his teaching ministry or just his personal being there, live and in person. He wants to strengthen the church. And you're going to see in a minute, you, you need to be strong if you're going to live for Christ in Rome. But then don't miss, he said in verse 12, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He's saying, I want to minister to you, but I know you're going to minister to me too. I know just seeing you and meeting you and seeing what's going on and, and being with you there in Rome, being with the church in Rome, I'm going to be encouraged. But his greatest reason, I think, he says, I'm eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel in Rome because it's the power of God unto salvation. And he knows that when he comes, that there are people that haven't been reached that God will give opportunity for him to reach. He's an apostle. He's sent out for that very purpose to go share the gospel. He's an evangelist. People are going to be saved if he's able to come to Rome. Now we come to the fourth point. I'm going to read it and then tell you what the fourth point is. You got your seatbelt buckled? Are you awake? It's a long section. 
I hope you stay awake. Verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. We sang about it, the stars. So that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, and now I noted, I put number two here because it's the second time God says this. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Lesbianism. In the same way, the men who also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, homosexuality. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. It's perverted. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he, and it says it a third time now, he gave them over to a depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. A lot of violence, a lot of relational problems. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Sounds like the evening news. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. So the family, the family, disintegration of the family and, and problem in the family. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. They say it's okay. And all that's our fourth point. And I think you've probably gathered that's where we're going to spend most of our time. And it's the moral condition of the Roman world. That's what Paul describes here. The Roman world and its culture. And it was like this despite, despite, and from our text, let me go through the list, despite an undeniable knowledge of God. What is the undeniable knowledge of God? The creation. You want to write down great, great passage in Psalm 19. Let me read you Psalm 19, verse 1. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Every day, there's witness. Every night, there's witness. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Every person, every nation, every people. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And so Romans chapter 1 tells us that because of the creation itself, that's undeniable evidence of God. And that in itself is enough evidence that men are without excuse. Because if they don't acknowledge a creator God, then they'll stand before judgment. And the evidence of God's who he is is in creation every day, every night, for all your life. And so you're without excuse. Another psalm opens this way. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It takes much more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in a God who's a creator. Undeniable knowledge of God. Abraham Lincoln said some great things, and this is one of them. He said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive of how he could look up into the heavens and say, there is no God. Abraham speaks from the grave. But if they don't acknowledge the creator God as God, they take the next step. What is it? Well, we read it. Verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Suppress the truth. Suppress the truth. Don't acknowledge creator God. And as Louis Giglio says in his wonderful little book, The Air I Breathe, we're created to worship and everybody worships. Everybody worships something or someone. Everybody around the world. And if you don't acknowledge God as creator, you're going to worship something or someone. You can worship a he, you can worship a she, you can worship an it, you can worship them. You can worship stars, creation. Why do you think we don't want the public display in America these days of the Ten Commandments? Because a public display of Ten Commandments that are not suggestions. They were written with the finger of God on stone. They are not suggestions. They are not, think about maybe you want to consider this as a standard of morality. No, these are commandments. This is it. And every time you look at them, you realize, man, we've blown it. Because nobody's kept them except Jesus. Nobody. They're a reminder, a constant reminder of the, the moral condition of man around the world <laughs> and a need for a savior. We need a savior. <laughs> but you want to suppress that truth, and so you don't want to see the Ten Commandments. I mean, the illustrations are endless. When I was growing up, most of my teenage life, until 19 years old, I received Christ as Lord and Savior, best day of my life. But until then, when I got in the car, you know what I did? I put in the eight track. And I'd put in the Doobie Brothers or, you know, uh, Kiss or one of the bands I listened to a lot. First band I was ever in, we emulated them, Black Sabbath. I mean, we played all the Black Sabbath tunes. 
I can, I can get on the drums and play some Black Sabbath right now. The good thing is, I'm not going to. I don't play that kind of music no more. I'm rocking for Jesus now. I didn't want to hear, I wanted to hear songs that talked about the people that I was hanging out with and the lifestyle I was living. We wanted to rock and roll. We wanted to party. And so kiss, rock and roll all day and party all night, you know, that's, 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 that's life. We suppress the truth. Look, when I was young, I, I was taught about Jesus. I was, I was taken to the little Baptist church when I was a little boy and I heard the gospel. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. And I believed, I believed if I died without Jesus, I was going to hell. But even though I knew that, I wasn't willing to give that up. And so I suppressed the truth. I suppressed the truth. I didn't want to think about death. I didn't want to think about party, girls, music, you know, the gang, hanging out, drinking, partying together. I mean, that was life. And so you suppress the truth. You don't hear the truth. Your Christian comes along, you don't want to hang out with a Christian. You don't invite the Christian to the party. No, 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 no. You suppress the truth. Why do you think we kick God out of our schools? Because we don't want to hear the truth about God. You continue on that path and you take the third step. You start thinking foolishly and you think wrongly. And the more and the longer you think wrongly, the more it affects your heart. The condition of your heart affects your thinking. Your thinking affects the condition of your heart. And all of a sudden now, you've not acknowledged and you're not living for the God who created you. You're suppressing the truth. You don't want to think about God. And now, you're thinking wrongly. And your heart is darkened. And then the next one is critical. And it's, this is where it's really dangerous. When you get to this next step now, you're deceived. I want you to think carefully about what I mean by deception and what the Bible means by deception. This means that now you're at the point where you are capable of believing lies. But you don't realize it's a lie. You don't think it's a lie. You think it's the truth. You're deceived now. You've deceived You've deceived yourself, and then Satan's added a layer there. And then God has said, okay, that's you want to go? I give you over. I give you over. I give you over. Come back to that one. And the last step is now you're given over. You're given over to depravity. You're corrupt. But you don't realize you're corrupt. <laughs> no, 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 no. The foolish thinking... Our text tells us that their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. But the next verse says they claim to be wise. They claim to be wise. Like you're, now you're the one that looks foolish to them. Now you're the one they accuse of being foolish. They're foolish, but they accuse you of being foolish. And they're given over to depravity. Now, what is depravity? Well, in our text, we have this too. And these are the characteristics of depravity from our text. You ready? You worship created things rather than the creator. That's the first step. You're not worshiping God, and so you're going to worship something or someone. 
Your idol is in Hollywood. Your idol is a, a, a band or a star or whatever, rock and roll star, whatever. Your, your idol is on the football field or the soccer field or, you know, the beauty queen, wherever, whatever it is. Or, you know, you're worshiping the stars and the sun and getting back to nature and all that foolishness. But, but it's foolishness that they think is enlightenment. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. But if you're unable to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the Book of Romans, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. Throughout the book of Romans, we read about the faith that Paul had in Jesus and how he didn't back down from his beliefs. Likewise, we encourage you to stand firm in your faith. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Danny continue to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.